Chuck, Chuck. You want me to introduce you as Sats Joseph or? Yeah, that would be good. What, why not Bits Joseph? Uh, well, honestly, I don't like Bits. <laughs> I'm a Sats guy. Okay, so hello there and welcome to the Bitcoin Takeover podcast. I'm here in Prague at the Trezor HQ. And I'm here with book author and podcaster and video maker and overall Bitcoin educator. I think educator rhymes with maker, so I, I just made a poem there. His name is Sats Joseph. I tried to convert him to bits earlier. He's not convinced. But we're not here to talk about our favorite denomination. We are here to talk about providing education. Here's another rhyme to you. So hi, Joseph. Hey. Ah, thanks. Uh, so, how is Prague, actually? Uh, I'm not here to talk about Prague. It's been rainy since I got here, but I found shelter here at your HQ. And it's interesting to see, because I learned earlier this year that you have about 100 employees. I did not picture that in my mind. Like, you have three levels where you work, and you have three different companies. You have Invity or Invity, which is the one which manages or it lets you buy Bitcoin from your hardware wallet interface. There's also Tropic Square, which develops the security chips that are going to be 100% open source and auditable. And there's also Trezor. And as I learned yesterday at Par Parallelipolis, there is the secret project about which I'm not allowed to talk. But there's a lot going on and you work here now. And w what do you do at Trezor? Yeah, so um, my official title is <laughs> my official title is brand ambassador. Uh, but if you check my Twitter, what I have on my Twitter bio, it's uh, Bitcoin ambassador at Trezor and Satoshi Labs, um, because a huge part of being uh, an ambassador for the hardware wallet is about explaining why Bitcoin matters, why we should adopt this long-term view, low time preference mindset, and why then we should take Bitcoin security and privacy seriously. So um, I'm not like a really marketing kind of guy. I'm an economist and I like like the history of money and I like to uh, just set everything that's going on in the world today with uh, from the macroeconomic perspective um, into the context of history and economics and how Bitcoin basically comes into that and what it means for individuals and why then you should take um, like Bitcoin private private keys stuff and privacy really seriously. Right, so you showed me your book and you gave me a signed copy, which I cannot show right now for technical reasons. But it's interesting that you're providing education to the Czech-speaking community. And you were also previously involved at creating some videos for Parallel Nepolis. You told me that there are some of the most watched videos on their YouTube channel. So how is it different when you create content for the Czech audience as opposed to the regular English stuff that you do for Trezor? Yeah, so um, from the personal perspective, it's of course much easier for me to create stuff uh, in my native language uh, because I can play around with the, with the language a little bit more. Uh, 
whereas in English, I feel sometimes it's too uh, like uh, mm, I cannot play around with the language as much, and you can see, like I, I have even, I even struggle with like explaining why that is. So I'm, uh, yeah. Uh, in Czech, also, it's easier to find uh, good historical analogies and examples. For example, uh, in my book and in my video series and in my podcasts, I often invoke uh, Czech monetary history or the monetary history of. Uh, the Czech lands, because uh, Czech Republic is around for just uh, 30 years now. And uh, in the same space, we had about uh, seven distinctive currencies over the period of like 140 years. Uh, and we went from uh, like uh, gold backing and uh, gold convertibility into like a nominal gold backing sort of uh, uh, I can, um, well, only central banks could exchange uh, the notes for uh, for gold. Uh, we had uh, a silver five crown uh, five crown coins until I believe 1932, and then we had like the whole communist uh, era where uh, everybody was basically robbed of their savings. We had several monetary reforms, and. When I uh, talk about Bitcoin in this context, uh, Czechs basically understand that uh, the current monetary regime uh, may not be here in 20 years, because this has basically never happened here, and every currency uh, stays for an average of 20 years. So they are quite receptive to that. So that's much easier uh, for me to do in Czech. And I also tried to uh, communicate some of these uh, historical uh, facts to like a global audience. Um, but sometimes it's hard for like Americans to uh, uh, get sympathetic uh, to that because they don't know the history. Uh, so in um, in my English content, I usually refer to, for example, the uh, the creature from Jekyll Island, which is an excellent book on the American uh, monetary history, and uh, yeah, and surprisingly, a lot of Americans, for example, don't know their own monetary history. Uh, so yeah, uh, communicating Bitcoin uh, in the context of like history and monetary, uh, like principles and monetary history is quite different in Czech and in English and I try to find like uh, the proper way to communicate that in like both. Yeah, so it's refreshing to hear someone who says that it's easier to express himself in the native language when speaking about Bitcoin because I translated a book in Romanian. It's the little Bitcoin book to which also Elena Vranova, who is one of the co-founders of Trezor, she also co-authored the book. And in my experience, it's been really hard to find all of these technical terms and provide some equivalences to them or some rough translations. Like I called the blockchains like a chain of blocks in Romanian. So I would not use blockchain specifically. And there are all of these terms that make me think that I don't want to do what they did with football, for example. Because in every language, they took the English term for, for example, fault or goal or stuff like that, and they adapted it to the local phonetics. So it means the same, but it's written differently according to the rules of that language's grammar. Uh, 
So I try to do it better. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure that the terms are going to standardize to some extent, just like computer. Mm-hmm. Most languages don't have an equivalent for a computer. In French, they say ordinateur, but that also means an organizer of sorts. So it's always difficult to translate these terms into your native language. So can you speak about these challenges? It, is it always simple or does Czech have like a better platform to build on top of? Yeah, that's a good topic. And uh, for computer, we use uh, počítač, which uh, actually means uh, like a calculator, <laughs> like a thing that uh, computes or calculates. Um, we don't have our own uh, words for like email or um, like the newer technical Uh, terms and for Bitcoin it's quite similar. We don't have our separate uh, distinctive words for blockchain. There were attempts to uh, come up with them. Uh, they sounded too funny and uh, too ridiculous. So uh, nobody basically uses that. And in my writings, yeah, I have noticed that uh, some paragraphs are almost 50% in language terms because There are no Czech terms for that. Um, I believe uh, it takes like uh, it takes like maybe one generation uh, for people to come up with like their own terms uh, for a new technology. And since uh, the development over the la- past decades has been so rapid, uh, we don't really come up with the terms anymore. And we usually use just the English English words. We have our own uh, term, for example, for uh, cell phone, but usually uh, It's just mobile phone, but in like Czech, like it's mobility telephone. Yeah. So uh, we have, we can like uh, twist the the English version a little bit so that it fits like Czech tongue a little bit uh, better, but we don't have like really a distinctive Czech word for stuff. And if somebody tries to come up with it, it sounds just too ridiculous. <laughs> From your experience, is there a major language barrier? when you try to teach Bitcoin? Is it difficult to get to people in their 50s or 60s or are they even interested? You deal with a lot of Czechs, so what's their average age and what is their level of understanding English? Because this is relevant in terms of understanding who's the target audience and whether or not it's worth bothering to translate educational resources. Yeah, so um, in terms of uh, age demographics, I believe uh, Bitcoiners uh, everywhere are basically the same. It's uh, not too young, uh, not too many teens uh, are uh, interested in Bitcoin, as I found out. And usually it's like people 25 to 45, like that's the major demographic. And usually it's just males, uh, like 95% of my uh, YouTube uh, subscribers are basically just males in their 30s, let's say. And uh, the language barrier is quite significant for Czechs, uh, even if somebody can uh, understand English and uses English in their work, they don't really like to uh, read books in English, for example, especially if it's uh, like uh, non-fiction. So uh, there's basically three, two or three uh, YouTubers in uh, Czech language that are focused on Bitcoin. 
and uh, I'm not the largest one, uh, but uh, the largest one and me as well uh, get a lot of messages that uh, people are really grateful for us to create like a deep dive Bitcoin resources because otherwise they wouldn't learn like anything at all and they will just get all the information from mainstream media, which is full of like total nonsense. Um, And uh, the YouTubers here or the educators here in Czech Republic are mostly uh, like Bitcoiners. We don't uh, like shitcoins that much here uh, in terms of educational resources, which I'm not sure if is uh, the same case in other countries. So uh, the level of education in here, I would say, is quite above the average. And uh, yeah, people are really grateful that we have... Uh, quite a lot of books now in Czech, uh, in Czech on Bitcoin. Uh, I believe the first Czech uh, Bitcoin book was published in 2015 by Dominik Strokal. He's uh, still active and still quite well known in the uh, Czech community. Uh, I published a Czech book on Bitcoin that I wrote. Uh, we have a major like e-commerce retailer that's called Alza uh, and they have a lot of uh, high quality deep dive articles on their website. I helped with some of them and uh, I don't even though I don't uh, contribute anymore there are still uh, some people that uh, do and uh, the quality is really high. Uh, we have Brains Publishing, uh, which is, you know, Brains, the miners, right? And uh, they started uh, an initiative called Brains Publishing, where they translate like the notable works into Czech. So, so far they published uh, like my book and then uh, they published a Bitcoin Money Book. That's the one for kids. Uh, they published Inventing Bitcoin. What's up? Yeah, they published uh, Inventing Bitcoin from uh, Jan Pritzker and they published, um, yeah, uh, Bitcoin Standard is going to be published next week. So there's a lot of high quality stuff and uh, yeah, so I'm really grateful for us and the community uh, and the level of education we are able to provide. and hard money. There is no fiat on-ramp or off-ramp and you get to diversify your Bitcoin portfolio into gold or silver when you sense that a bearish moment is coming. Also, you can instantly trade your gold for Bitcoin to buy the dip. And if you're into gold custody, Voltoro can also send you the gold that you own directly from their insured Swiss vaulting facilities. Voltoro was launched in the aftermath of the Mt. Gox hack. So since 2015, they have published monthly glass books to prove that they own all the gold reserves and all of their customers' money. Sign up today by going to voltoro.com slash Bitcoin Takeover. Keep in mind that this is not financial advice 
and you are responsible for your own decisions. Wasabi Wallet is the perfect Bitcoin privacy wallet. It's free, it's open source, it's available on Windows, macOS, and Linux, and it offers groundbreaking Chamian coin joins, which makes your Bitcoin. Even if you do not use the coin join feature, you still benefit from a trustless experience with block filters, a hidden IP address via Tor, and easy management of your wallet outputs. After you deal with KYC exchanges like Coinbase, like Kraken, Binance, Gemini, or Bitfinex, you can remove the association between your identity and your Bitcoin address by performing a few rounds of coin joins. To find out more about the privacy benefits and limitations of coin joins, listen to Bitcoin Takeover Podcast Season 6, Episode 6 with Max Hillbrand. And if you want to give Wasabi a try, go to wasabiwallet.io and download the wallet for free. Wasabi Wallet, a Bitcoin privacy wallet for the citadels. So you did mention about translating books and major publishing works at Brains. I guess I should pitch them my magazine. Because it's open source anyway, so they can just take the graphics and put their text on top of it. I'm not going to know what they mean. They might as well mistranslate it and make me say stuff I didn't. But as long as it's educational, I don't care. But speaking of brains, let's go back to Slushpool and Trezor. And you work at Trezor. And what gets you most excited about what's going on here? Because there's quite a lot. There's a lot more than that basic hardware wallet, which was launched in 2014 and was developed by two people. I think the project right now has taken off and there's a lot going on. And if you look at the GitHub, there are so many people contributing every day and making commits. What is it that gets you most excited about the project right now? Well, um, for me, it's... Like personally, it's a first like really like a Bitcoiner job. I used to work for some software companies before where we had some kind of focus on Bitcoin and so-called cryptocurrencies. Um, so that's that's like quite awesome. And uh, for Trezor itself, um, I like that we focus not just on security per se, but also the user privacy with Tor integration with the upcoming coin join, uh, and also on usability so that uh, people like the users really know what they are doing. And uh, that's a tough job uh, with uh, all the new features, because as you introduce more and more like these privacy relevant features, uh, you can you have to also communicate it properly so that people don't mess up basically. So um, and what's probably also quite exciting is I tend to like learn 
all kinds of new stuff every day about Bitcoin, about uh, usability of the tools that we have, uh, about different takes on Bitcoin, because it's quite uh, different uh, if you talk about Bitcoin from like technical deep dive perspective and from uh, like the economic perspective. And it's interesting to uh, witness when uh, technical guys and let's say, for example, the guys from support who um, get bombarded by these like user uh, questions or all kinds of stuff. Uh, and people like from this economic perspective, when they get into, for example, one team building in uh, for se- several days and they discuss Bitcoin and like they have so different perspectives on stuff and you, do- you just don't... Uh, learn about this if you don't work for a Bitcoin company, I would say. So, yeah, uh, Bitcoin itself is such a huge, uh, uh, huge field and sometimes it's quite overwhelming and I cannot imagine like uh, not uh, being employed full time uh, in Bitcoin because uh, there is just so much stuff to learn. Uh, and I remember Andreas Antonopoulos saying that in like 2015 and like from today's perspective, Bitcoin in 2015 was uh, simple. There was no lightning network. <laughs> uh, people didn't care that much about privacy yet. They, uh, we didn't know like about all the privacy gachas and stuff. So uh, corporations weren't inv- involved and such. So yeah, there's so much stuff and uh, it's just amazing to work for a company that focuses on this field. It's also interesting that Trezor has changed a lot since I was writing articles with tutorials on how to do stuff. At the time, it was a web interface that you're using in your browser. Mm-hmm. And I even did a tutorial on how to make it work with Tor. So thanks, Anthony, for all, all of the guidelines. He's the guy behind the camera. You know, nowadays you have the Trezor Suite, or I used to call it Suits, but I mispronounced it. So I, I also did a tutorial on that one, but it has Tor integration. It has full node integration. It has UTXO control. It's pretty cool, and it's the basic software that you download nowadays to use your Trezor. And as far as I know, you discontinued the web interface. So there's a lot of work going on into that one. And you're also going to add coin joins as you spoiled, I guess, the topic. And yeah, I feel like Trezor is an entirely different user experience now as compared to what it was like two years ago and the roadmap has lots of elements that are yet to get added so i look forward to see what else comes up and also you have the tropic square venture which is going to add security chips that are transparent and don't compromise on the open sourceness of the entire project like matt odell you can say that i'm a shill and i work for trezor but (laughs) whatever Yeah, I, I just like to uh, correct you on one thing. We don't have the UTXO, UTXO control yet. Uh, we don't have the coin control. Uh, it's possible to... It's on the wrong map. Uh, it's on the wrong map, yeah. We would like to inc- include uh, UTXO, UTXO control with CoinJoin. Uh, it's not there yet, but if you want to uh, see the distinctive UTXOs, uh, 
on your Trezor, you can use Electrum wallet for that. Or I believe, uh, yeah, there are some other wallets that allow you to do that. Um, also, one um, area that we would like to launch this year or one like application is the Android nat native app so that you can connect uh, your Trezor to an Android mobile phone and use it seamlessly with uh, Trezor Suite in there. And I feel like this is um, a huge uh, requirement for the developing countries where the users don't uh, often have laptops or personal computers and just work with their mobile phones. So uh, we are focusing on like Uh, uh, making uh, Trezor uh, more accessible to these areas. Yes, I, I agree that you know it's a different project right now in terms of user interface, but in terms of security, also since 2014 when the Trezor One was launched, there have been a lot of improvements. I think the website where you can check this out is security.trezor.io, and you have a timeline of all the vulnerabilities that have been discovered. And each one of them have been fixed and none of them was fatal enough to change the hardware, which I find impressive. Like you can buy the same Trezor one from 2014 and update your, update your firmware and you're going to have the hardened security experience. Of course, you have to add a passphrase for a replacement of the physical security which other devices have at the expense of trading off their open sourceness. But still, it's a very ideologically pure project. I like that you guys are taking it slow. I think last year you were supposed to finish everything on the Trezor Suite's roadmap, but you pushed it further, I guess, because you want to test it more and make sure that you get it right when it's released. What should we look forward to? Like, maybe that you cannot talk in details about stuff, but what is Trezor doing these days? Because to some people, it's unexciting. There's not much going on. But if you check GitHub, there's a lot of activity. Yeah, so um, I believe we discussed like most of uh, what's being developed right now. CoinJoin is... Uh, is quite exciting to be able to conjoin uh, your Bitcoin straight from the, interf the interface of the hardware wallet uh, and straight from the Trezor suite. Uh, for me, it's uh, the mobile app because I uh, would like Uh, for us to be more accessible to people from like uh, poor developing uh, countries and um, uh, let me think yeah uh, I just wanted to add maybe one more thing uh, regarding passphrase uh, passphrase uh, has basically two uh, major uses first is uh, as you said mm, protecting against uh, possible potential physical attacks. And the other use case is protecting your seed phrase, because even if you use a hardware wallet uh, that has a secure element and is perhaps immune to these physical attacks, uh, you still have to somehow protect your seed phrase. And if you have your seed phrase just written down on a sheet of paper or stamped into a seed plate, uh, it's unprotected by itself. It's, if it's discovered, then all your coins are gone. So 
uh, that's what I recommend seed phrase for, because, uh, pass phrase for, because uh, that's probably um, more probable attack vector than someone really taking your physical device and trying to derivate the seed from that. Uh, and also, uh, what's also um, f forgetting about uh, is the shamer shamer backup uh, and it also touches on the seat uh, security uh, so part of what we uh, are aiming to do in this in the coming months is basically communicating the features we already have and the users may not know about and uh, that can greatly uh, increase their level of security because uh, the seat security itself is uh, maybe not very well understood by the users and uh, Shamir sounds maybe too complicated for people uh, but the increased level of security it brings I believe is worth it so uh, we have some new development under the hood but uh, we also need to uh, like communicate what we already have and people may not be aware of I'm one of the people who think that Shamir secret sharing under the SLIP39 standard, which was developed by Satoshi Labs, and about which I actually did a video two years ago, is really cool. And multi-sigs can be way too complex for most people. And they can do a Shamir, which makes them have multiple parts that are required to sign, not sign transactions, but to access the funds to unlock the wallet. And you can even lose some if you geographically distribute a few. Let's say that you have 10 parts and you need to have at least seven to recover. You can lose three of them and you still have access to your funds. So depending on your threat model, that can be very useful. And as far as I know, there's only one other hardware wallet company that uses the standard. And it's a shame that not all of them want to add it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it has to do anything with disliking the standard or it's just vanity and not wanting to adopt everything from Trezor. But still, I, I think it's a killer app on the Model T. And if you're into more complex setups, you should maybe invest more to buy the Model T, which, by the way, is kind of expensive nowadays. Well, yeah, but uh, I always recommend... Uh to people to consider buying a hardware wallet if they have at least uh, $1,000 worth of Bitcoin. And as time goes by, usually it turns into much more. So spending uh, a portion of that, which doesn't have to be a big portion, pays off. Because how are you going to secure it uh, otherwise? Uh, people tend to come up with their own ideas of uh, securing their funds and usually that's not a good idea you should uh, rely on uh, processes that uh, are open source tested by time uh, that the ux is there for uh, we we and Trezor have uh, over the years uh, greatly improved like the UX of how you uh, create the seed, uh, what is being like communicated to you, to you, like what you should do and when you shouldn't do with the seed, uh, and yeah, just do what is battle tested. Probably that's what I will say. So and it pays off to invest in security, and it doesn't pertain to Bitcoin as such. Uh, big part of uh, 
adopting Bitcoin personally is, for example, using password managers, using VPN and Tor, and you have covered that in your magazine. Uh, so with Bitcoin, you suddenly have something to lose, like uh, in terms of Bitcoin itself, in terms of privacy, in terms of uh, personal user data. So it's uh, good to like dive into that a little bit and just learn the best practices. I very much agree with you. Having an open network where all the transactions are visible and revealing to somebody which one is your XPUB or your master public key which generates all the addresses, that's dangerous and only leads to more de-anonymization of other people who may not want to have their addresses doxed to the rest of the world. Sometimes I think that traditional banking is more efficient in the sense that you have at least privacy against your neighbors. You don't want to know, you, you don't want your neighbors to know how much money you have. I guess we're going to fix that in time. But for now, we have all of these tools and I'm happy that Trezor is considering them as opposed to discouraging them and saying, you know, Bitcoin is already perfect. We don't need anything. Learn how to use it. If anything bad happens, it's your fault. So, yeah. But on a personal level, what are you up to in the coming months or years or whatever? I know that you're going to some conferences. And what do you usually talk about when you go to conferences? Yeah, so um, as you touched on, uh, what I'm up to is visiting multiple conferences this year. It's uh, Czech conferences and foreign conferences as well. Uh, yeah. And Uh, there's a distinction on the Czech conferences. I get to meet the fans of my book who want to get it signed and we discuss like uh, the guests for my podcast and stuff on English conferences. Uh, I'm a pleb, <laughs> nobody knows me, which is quite fine because uh, I am the one uh, going around the authors and getting their signatures, which is fun. Um, and uh, there are basically always like uh, two tracks of conferences for me. Uh, one is So when I give the talk or I'm at the panel uh, where usually I uh, communicate uh, something regarding Trezor and regarding uh, like Bitcoin security and privacy and uh, uh, the economics of hyper-Bitcoinization, let's say, uh, like the stuff that I basically write about for Bitcoin Magazine and BTC Times. And then the, like the second track for the conferences is uh, just networking and meeting uh, influencers, podcasters, journalists, uh, and people from other projects uh, as we discussed before during the lunch it's quite fun to meet uh, uh, like founders of uh, the other hardware wallet uh, manufacturers um, because we find out like uh, we can have our uh, differences and our little fights on twitter but in person we are basically all after the same and uh, it's good to like discuss these uh, uh, these things uh, in a, a like multi-dimensional uh, way because uh, Twitter and uh, maybe podcasts when you just comment on somebody is very like one dimensional where you, it's not a discussion with uh, like everything that should involve it so it's really fun to meet with like your adversaries <laughs> and you find out you are you can actually be friends. So, uh, yeah, it was very uh, hard for me to 
not be able to visit these conferences over like 2020 and 2021. And this year so far has been uh, like excellent from this perspective. So yeah, to meet other Bitcoiners like you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the late flattery. But I'm pretty sure I know about whom you're talking when you mention enemies who become friends and you meet them in person and how Twitter can be such a terrible place to express ideas because everyone takes it too seriously and too personally and it escalates into something that should not be there when you're after the same goal. But anyway, I was about to ask you, how can people watching this follow you on different channels? and see what you've been working on. Yeah, so probably the easiest uh, way to follow me is on Twitter at uh, SetsJoseph and I basically share, basically share everything I do in there. Uh, when I write out a tweet in Czech, I usually put it in like uh, these uh, brackets so that everybody knows like what this weird language is. Um, I write articles for Bitcoin Magazine, so I can be Googled Josef uh, Tjetek at Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, but the simplest way is just to follow me on Twitter, Sad Joseph. And what if you get banned from Twitter? <laughs> Well, that, that would be a problem. <laughs> I would probably uh, get a ghost of Seth's Joseph handle, <laughs> like uh, like uh, so many Bitcoiners already had to do. Uh, and yeah, it's um, it's a good reminder that uh, reputation is there even if your handle uh, gets banned, because uh, I believe ghost of Svetsky and ghost of maybe Francis. Uh, I don't know if Francis still has his handle or has a... Um, <laughs> so... Uh, these Bitcoiners have maybe like a second or a third Twitter handle and they are still around and you can still find them and the signal gets through. Thank you very much. I wish I could call you Bits Joseph, but you, you're, you're very insistent that it should be Sats Joseph. You can see the message on his t-shirt about what you should be doing. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you. and hard money. There is no fiat on-ramp or off-ramp and you get to diversify your Bitcoin portfolio into gold or silver when you sense that a bearish moment is coming. Also, you can instantly trade your gold for Bitcoin to buy the dip. And if you're into gold custody, Voltoro can also send you the gold that you own directly from their insured Swiss vaulting facilities. Voltoro was launched in the aftermath of the Mt. Gox hack. So since 2015, they have published monthly glass books to prove that they own all the gold reserves and all of their customers' money. Sign up today by going to voltoro.com slash Bitcoin Takeover. Keep in mind that this is not financial advice and you are responsible for your own decisions.
Wasabi Wallet is the perfect Bitcoin privacy wallet. It's free, it's open source, it's available on Windows, macOS, and Linux, and it offers groundbreaking Chamian coin joins, which makes your Bitcoin. Even if you do not use the coin join feature, you still benefit from a trustless experience with block filters, a hidden IP address via Tor, and easy management of your wallet outputs. After you deal with KYC exchanges like Coinbase, like Kraken, Binance, Gemini, or Bitfinex, you can remove the association between your identity and your Bitcoin address by performing a few rounds of coin joins. To find out more about the privacy benefits and limitations of coin joins, listen to Bitcoin Takeover Podcast Season 6, Episode 6 with Max Hillbrand. And if you want to give Wasabi a try, go to wasabiwallet.io and download the wallet for free. Wasabi Wallet, a Bitcoin privacy wallet for the citadels.